lot of people will come to me on a tarot reading and their question isn't how do I attract my partner, which is a great question. It's will I, will I have this partner? And that's a completely different energy. How do I attract is like a certainty. It's just like, I know I'm going to get it. How do I get there? Hey guys, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Hey guys, welcome back. We have such a fun episode for you today. It's a different topic, getting back into the manifestation and spiritual realm. So we haven't had one of these in a while. And today is just going to be a short intro. We're both traveling together. Yeah, we have Kelly Knight. She is the founder of Modern Mystic Shop which now exists in New York and in Atlanta. And she is the co-writer of Spells for the Modern Mystic. We've had her on in the past. She came on episode 19, so way in the early days of Mostly Balanced. And that episode has like a ton more about her backstory. And she's an in- she has intuitive gifts. And she tells the story in that episode about like how she how that first came to be or how she first started tuning into it. And we get like a lot into more of like the nitty gritty of like her intuitive process and different things like that and how she wrote the book, which highly, highly recommend getting the book, even if it doesn't sound like something that would be interesting to you. I think after listening to this episode, you'll feel a lot differently because she makes spirituality in general and I don't know, spells and different things like that seem like so down to earth for like lack of a better term. She's just like a normal person that these things like came into her life and she shares a lot of examples of how she's used different rituals and spells in her own life. And then we get yeah deep into manifestation, which had been a while since we talked about it. And this is one of the most like tangible ways that I've had we've had a guest explain it she gives like full-on tips for how to manifest your partner how to call someone into your life different things that like you might be doing that are like stopping you from bringing somebody into your life whether that's love or bringing something into your life like a job or whatever it is she talks about like little things that you might be doing that you don't even realize that are kind of like prolonging it so super super interesting I love this episode Same, I think. And when you think about manifestation or rituals or any of these things that have more of a spiritual component, I think an episode like this and hearing someone like Kelly talk, there's so many tangible ways. And it seems to just make so much more sense that when you shift your mindset and you believe you're worthy of things and you start acting like you already have it, it's you'll just call this into your life. And we've had our own manifestation success stories and I really, I truly believe like when I put myself in the mindset, I manifested the job that I currently have. I manifested an increase in salary. Like all of these things happened while I was in the middle of a manifestation practice. So I love hearing more about Kelly's practices and her rituals, all of which are in her book. But this is just a great episode if you are at a time in your life when you're trying to call something in. Yeah, I feel like we have to do an episode where we go even deeper into all the things that we've both manifested because we've definitely both talked like here and there about them, but we haven't really done like a step-by-step of how we call these things in. And I think it's very at least in my personal experience, very aligned with the way that Kelly talks about things. And she doesn't coin herself as a manifestation expert, but I feel like it's just all under the same realm of like the rituals and the different things that she's done. And you'll hear her talk about how she met her current boyfriend. Uh, Last time she came on, she was married and she has since gotten divorced and now is in what sounds like a very aligned relationship that really just came in at what sounds like the perfect time. And in the craziest way. So I loved hearing hearing that story. And yeah, it'll definitely leave you inspired to really like go after the things that you want. And like Mia said, we're traveling. So we're traveling together right now. And it's a really fun trip. It's something different than anything either of us have done before. So we'll talk more about it next week. But maybe we can talk about like one brief listener question. Yes, let's do it. And yes, we'll catch you up on this trip when we're back. We're definitely having a fun, relaxing time, but can't wait to share more about it. Yes, I'm excited to share more about it too. So I'm looking through some of the questions that we got last week. At least once a week, we'll do an Ask Us Anything on Instagram. And we get, of course, a lot of like very similar questions. So you can just choose one to kind of go like a little bit deeper into just that is kind of like in theme with a lot of the questions that we get. So this one I thought was so interesting. Advice you'd give a friend who puts herself out there for years and nothing sticks. Mm. I saw this question and I feel like this can go two ways. I feel like there's something about the advice I'm sure we've all heard in the past that when it comes to a friend and like love life and you think they're doing something wrong or you think 
they're not with the right person. Like there's some aspect of just letting them learn the lessons themselves, you know? So I think if you think your friend is like doing all the wrong things in dating or like following certain rules or not following others and just not acting like herself or attracting the wrong people, I think there's like a totally nice way to say, I think just like a way to think about, like ask her some guided questions. She's telling you a story of like attracting yet again, like kind of like the same type of relationship. Nothing's working. I think at that moment, put on your friend cap and like ask her the questions that she might be needing to be asked. Like, well, what are you looking for? How are you acting on a first date? What types of profiles are you swiping on on a dating app or when you're out? Who are you attracted to? And like you can help someone get to like the root of why the same things are keep happening. But I think there's also an element of like, you can have so many of those conversations and give your advice and your point of view, but it'll be totally up to that person to make those changes themselves and kind of realize what they're doing wrong. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it really made me think about it differently, even than when I answered it that day that like, I'm curious what kind of place this question comes from. And I feel like it's probably a mix of both. Like it's probably coming from a a place of like feeling like you want to help your friend out of like the goodness of your heart and wanting to be a good friend and help them get in a better place with dating. But it's also, I'm sure coming out of a place of frustration because sometimes you give this advice to your friends or you're like trying to help them and there's like, they won't listen or like, there's just like nothing, nothing comes from it. But I do think like asking questions like that and helping them just like get to the bottom of their sort of dating habits or dating situation, super helpful. Send them a podcast, send them this advice, tell them to listen to it. Like just like be there for them, but don't get frustrated if A, they don't always take your advice or B, like the advice doesn't work because like we're all just figuring it out. But I do think also like offering to go out with them is a big thing because a lot of single people, at least when I was single, like I just like would have liked like a friend to like come out with me even if they weren't single, which I feel like is super helpful. So yeah, just like continuing to be there for them and not getting frustrated if they don't listen all the time could be like really, really helpful for sure. I love that question though. And we'll continue to answer more of these. The past few solo episodes that we've done, we've just gone deeper into listener questions. So we'll do another one of those soon. In terms of like what's new with me, I'm trying to think of like updates. I was in Tulum last week when we recorded and, and hadn't haven't really updated on that trip. It was such a fun trip. I had wanted to go to Tulum since the first time that Mia went, which was... I don't know, a few years ago now. Um, But this was the first trip that I took with somebody that I'm dating. So I'll definitely have a lot more to go into on that as well. We've done a post on this too, which we can either redo or reshare. But it's, I mean, I highly recommend. We also get that question a lot of like, how soon is too soon to travel together? I don't think it's necessarily ever too early as long as you feel comfortable with the person and you're interested in them. Like I think doing a trip is a great way to learn more about each other and learn more about your lifestyles and whether you're compatible or like just different things about each other. I love that. I think your trip looked super fun, but I think we should definitely do an episode on traveling with a partner and kind of go through those stages because it's, You definitely learn a lot really quickly when you are with someone. But otherwise, I I still I feel like kind of talked about this a little bit, but I'll talk about it more in a solo episode when we can go a little bit deeper than just an intro. But I've been dealing with some personal life things with me and my husband, nothing between the two of us, but it would be an interesting conversation as well to talk about how a couple, especially a newly married couple, like navigates this this experience in life. And I can talk a bit about my experience about what has worked and just got dive a little deeper. So that was so vague. I'm sorry, but we will dive in. And I, I won't continue to be vague, but I think we'll do a solo episode. And yes, if you have any questions about traveling with a significant other, ask us because that would be a really fun solo episode to do like more in detail. But yeah, I guess we can just get right into the episode with Kelly. We hope you love it. If you don't already know Kelly, go back and listen to the first episode. Go follow her on Instagram. We put everything in the show notes. And next week, we'll be back with a good old-fashioned regular intro to our episode where we talk about new things that we're trying and really update you like a little bit more. So thanks for bearing with us while we've been traveling a little bit. Let us know what you think about this episode. And if you're loving Mostly Balanced, leave us a rating and a review. We so appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great guest episode. And please look out for the solo because we have so many good topics to dive deeper into.
Welcome back. We are joined by a return guest. We're so excited for this one. We are here with the founder of Modern Mystic Shop, newly in New York City. And she's a tarot card reader and intuitive, and I'm sure she'll do a much better job at telling you all of her gifts. So welcome <laughs> to Mostly Balanced, Kelly Knight. Hi. Thank you for the nice introduction. Thank you for coming on. We have so many fun things to talk to you about. But before we do that, can you tell everybody listening a little bit about you? So we always like to start with where you're from, where you live now, and then just a little bit about what you do. Okay. So I'm from technically New Jersey. That's where I was born and lived till I was nine. But then I spent significant time um, in Atlanta, Georgia, which is probably what I feel like is most closely feels like home. I had a, a stint in New York City for a few years, about a decade ago, then back to Atlanta. And now I'm here in New York City. And that's my new home, I guess. And I've also found a lot of rich history here. So my ancestors are from literally this neighborhood where I live. They've, my grandmother was born three blocks away a hundred years ago. So as much as Atlanta feels like home, I feel like my roots are not just in New York, but in this specific part of New York. Wow. wow. That's so cool. Yeah. It's fun. I it's love magical. That. What part of New York is it? So I live in Nolita, okay. uh, but it used to be Little Italy, right? So that's where the store is. That's where my apartment is. Uh, and, you know, real estate developers make neighborhood names, like little nicknames yeah. and stuff. But really, this was Little Italy. So I found out that my grandfather and his family lived on Elizabeth Street, which is where my store is. And then my grandmother was born uh, on Mulberry in the heart of what is still now considered Little Italy. Wait, did you know that oh, before wow. you chose that location? <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I did it. I didn't. I Once I got here, I started getting to know some of the other shopkeepers. So it's very interesting. And this is like all intuitive and just, I felt so called to this neighborhood and I didn't really know why. And I found a storefront very synchronistically. I was walking by and it had a for lease sale sign on the door. And I told my boyfriend at the time, last time we spoke, I was married. I am since divorced and in a new relationship. So lots has changed. But I said, take a picture of me in front of this window. It's going to be my next storefront. And it did become my next storefront. Uh, and so in moving there and like opening the store and meeting some of the shopkeepers, there's a butcher shop that's like a two doors down and they've been there for a hundred years. The woman that runs it, it's her great grandfather opened it. And so she started teaching me about the neighborhood and I started to investigate. And so that's where I learned about part of it. And then my mom uh, told me about the rest of it. She was like, yeah, my, you know, you know, grandma was born three blocks that way. Can you take a picture from, of the building for me? I was like, sure. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, mm -hmm. That's amazing. Wait, so tell us how, like, if that didn't bring you to New York to open up <laughs> your store and have this aligned in the stars experience, what did? Tell us mm -hmm. how, because last time we spoke, you had your shop mm -hmm. in Atlanta. We talked. you still book, do. Your book had just mm -hmm. come out. Yes, Spells for the modern well. mystic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It got reprinted. So we sold through all of our inventory and they invested in me again and they wow. produced a second run of the book. So uh, now the second edition is out in the world, which wasn't a sure thing. You know, you've got to kind of right. prove that there's an interest there. So that was great. Uh, but it's so strange, you guys, how I ended up back in New York. I guess a couple things happened at once. I remember saying when I was doing my promo for my book, when it came out, I was uh, on another podcast with one of my friends and I did a tarot reading for her afterwards. And I said, you know, if I, if I wasn't married, I would definitely live here because my husband and the co-author at the time is not a New York city person. You guys know there's like a certain kind of constitution. Yeah. So then when I got divorced, I thought fleetingly is like, well, why am I not in New York? Right. That was the thing. Like if I was married, you know, I would be in Atlanta. And then I got brought up here. Um, I had this like emergency, basically this weird identity theft thing where people were impersonating me <gasps> in New York city and like trying to no. steal money. And they were showing up and saying like that they were me and they they got away with a lot of money. So I had to fly up here to file a police report and try to handle that. Meanwhile, I was I got I was in a new relationship. When I got back, I just told this person we we're very new. It's, it's like, I really know that I need to be back in New York. And I don't know what that means for our relationship. So we had um, a wedding to come up to come up here. I was officiating my one of my best friend's weddings that summer. And he's like, well, let's just go and you can show me around and I'll see what it might feel like to be here. And that's when we found the storefront. And that's when he also fell in love with the Elizabeth Street Garden. And he's like, I would love to live in this neighborhood. I was like, but that's my neighborhood, you know? <laughs> so we just started like making making the moves. And 
that's kind of how I got here. So some sort of like traumatic experience pulled me up here again. And I was like, I was like, oh, it's the time. I could just feel it's time to come back. I had some unfinished business. Wait, so did the two of you move here together? And are you still together? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm in his office right now. Oh yeah, we, we're, we're not just living together. We're also co-workers in a weird way because yeah. we both work from home <laughs> most of the time. Wait, so what does he do? So he works in nonprofit fundraising. So he works for uh, an international organization and he's in charge of working with donors and foundations to get that mission funded. And do you want to hear more crazy stories? Yes. Keep them coming. (laughs) This is probably not on your list of questions, but do you want to hear the magical way in which I met him? I was going to ask if you met him through a spell for the modern mystic. (laughs) Even crazier. Not maybe not even crazier. So two crazy stories regarding how I met him. I was, you know, I got divorced and I um, moved out on my own and I moved into a loft on top of basically in the same shopping center as my store in Atlanta. And I was just going really deep into my own practice. And my intuition was saying like, don't go on apps. That's not for you. I'm like a really sensitive person, sensitive Mm -hmm. intuitively, but also sensitive. Like I can get my feelings hurt pretty easily. I've got like a lot of water in my charts. I'm like, maybe that's not the, not the move. So one night I was doing a ritual and then sitting in meditation and I'm clear audience, which means I can hear things. Mm -hmm. So I heard get on (gasps) match.com. And then I said, right. (laughs) Number one, number one, we decided we were not doing online dating. Number two, match.com. And like knowing my yeah. boyfriend now, of course he was on match.com. So he's mm. one of these like real old fashioned kind of like, it's from, he's like from like another era, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I sat down and I quickly made a profile on match.com. And then one of the questions was something like, what's the biggest adventure you've been on or something like that. And I wrote, which I did after my divorce, I moved out and I had a month before my apartment was ready. So I did a road trip by myself from Atlanta to Big Sur. And I put that on my profile, went to bed next morning, message from some dude. And he was like, Oh, I love about your story about Big Sur. I also did a pilgrimage to Big Sur by myself, drove from Minnesota there about 20 years ago. Tell me about that. And this is the person that I met. So wow. we like hit it off. We went out like a couple of days later and we've been together ever since. I had like my one and done match.com moment de- deactivated <laughs> my account. And that's where we are. So that's one weird story. And then, um, you know, you go on a few dates and then I went to his apartment and I saw, okay, let me just also say nonprofit fundraiser, like clean cut button down shirt type guy, like does not look like mystical leaning. (laughs) I don't know. He just looks like a business guy, whatever. So I go into his apartment and I see these crystals on his shelf and I see this gem essence oil and a couple of things. I know for sure it's from my store. Like I know it. And he doesn't know at that point. I just didn't want people. I didn't want people I I was going to date or like a stranger to know my place of business. So he was a retail store owner. And then I said, where did you get this stuff? He's like, oh my gosh, it's this great store in Pond City Market. It's called Modern Mystic Shop. You would love it. And I said, (gasps) that's my store. And he goes, you go there too? And I'm like, no, like, oh my God, I own that business. And it was just, he showed me, he keeps receipts as bookmarks. He's like, look at all my receipts. And he had spent like a thousand dollars over the past year in my store. He had never bought a crystal before. I was going to ask if this was like his first foray into crystals in your store. Yeah, it was my store. He, he like felt guided there. His first, actually it's probably over here. His first crystal that he bought was this um, tiger iron pebble. And he said, I picked it up and he's like, I could feel like a charge. And so he bought this and some other things. And I just know my crystals. Like I buy the crystals. Like I know our stuff looks different. It's not all the same. Yeah. Right. And so that was just really interesting. Like he was on our, he was like on our email list, you know, like he was getting all these messages. Oh my God. That is crazy. 
I also love like the mystic. He's mystic leaning. That's such a funny, <laughs> funny term. But like, that's amazing. I like met your match. Totally. And now like because of the book, he does like the solar shielding ritual in that book every morning. And I've taught him how to read tarot. So he has a little tarot practice. I taught him how to set up an ancestral altar. And he, so all these things, like he had the interest and he has definitely the skill for it, but it just helps to have someone in your life kind of guide you a little bit, but he had gotten himself already in the door. You know, it wasn't like he's trying to change for me. He was curious about it and kind of took some steps. So it's cool. It's really cool. That's so cool. I love all of this. I feel like just (laughs) talking to you, you mentioned like calling in your partner and like rituals and all of that. So were you at the time like setting intentions to meet someone when you met him? I I wasn't at that time because honestly, it seems kind of weird, but there wasn't a lot of time between when I left my marriage and like moved out and when I met him. And so I was thinking dating would be fun. You know, like it'd be nice to meet some new people. I haven't dated in like a decade. Uh, I wasn't expecting to find a person that would be a significant relationship. But I also wonder because I don't, I didn't have any skin in the game if it just left me very open to it because there wasn't a need for it. I was really focusing on myself. I was focusing on my Empress energy. I created like this new living space for myself uh, to the degree that I almost kind of pushed him away when we started dating because he was like, interested in something serious. And although it was mystical and fun to meet him, I, it never occurred to me that like, your first date would be another relationship. The way that I've reconciled that for myself was, you know, I, I ended my marriage pretty quickly. And it was just like a knowing like that we were better off as friends and we're still very close friends. But I'm but it was like pretty abrupt and fast. And I wonder like if I had to be pushed to push that timeline quickly in order to even meet this other person, because he's not from Atlanta where he, we were living at the time. Like we didn't run in any kind of circles and he wasn't even thinking to be in Atlanta long-term and it was kind of pandemic-y. So I wonder if that's how I kind of reconcile, like why did this timeline have to move so quickly? Yeah. And maybe it was to make space for him because I, you know, like he was only going to be on match.com so long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also true. The first thing that popped into my head when you were telling that story is because you got this sort of like ping to join match.com. And so then you just like went and did it. But like, is that why you have such like a strong intuition? Because when you get these things, you do them like to people, are people like pushing off their intuition when they're not listening to those little voices? I might've been like, well, that's not me. Like, why are you, why are you thinking of that? And then like not done it. Yeah. That I think is a hundred percent. I think intuition is twofold or manifestation, I guess is twofold. It's hearing or not hearing, hearing for me, but it's like getting the signs and then it's taking action. That's the second part. It's not just sitting on a couch getting signs, you know? Uh, So I definitely think when I get those strong pulls, I listen, even if it's unconventional or strange. I never, I mean, match.com, not to diss them or anything, but it was, it'd be like harmony to me. It's like, what? Like, this is- Yeah, it's like so so old school. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Uh, That wasn't even in my scope of possibility. So um, I think that's it. I think it's being open. I was in an open and receptive mode. I was available. And then I took action because I could have gotten that ping and done nothing with it. Right. And then I, I mean, who knows, maybe we would have crashed into each other at my store one day. (laughs) I don't know. But it's just how it it just how it happened. So I do think that like to follow, to build, and luckily because I've been doing this so long, I have built the trust with myself and the positive track record of following the intuition. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem foreign to me. Whereas some people are like, oh, maybe it's a coincidence. Like I'm past that mindset. Yeah. It must just take like some practice. Right. Like I feel like I I've tried so. to do more of those things. And so then like the, the sort of like those intuitive hits come more often because you're like leaning into it more versus if you're just pushing it away, then it won't come as clearly. I feel like. I think so too. And I think it's building that trust within yourself. And I think it's also understanding the difference between intuition and anxiety in a way, you know, and understanding your way of receiving these nudges. To me, I'm very, very lucky. Clear audience is 
to me, the most clear sense. It's like someone's talking to you. That not a lot of people have that. Sometimes people get full body chills. Like that's your yes. You know, sometimes people, you know, will see a certain sign or symbol or number or whatever. So it's also, I think, understanding your brand of intuition and how it speaks to you and not comparing it to other people and then taking action, aligned action when it's like a hell yes feeling. Yeah. Well, you're a pro at that now, I think, like coming with experience and just like really learning to trust your intuition. But I imagine a lot of people who are buying your book and interested in your spells are coming for tarot readings or like coming with trying to find something like whether it is a partner Mm -hmm. or whether it is a life change or career. And they have to learn those like little intuitive nudges to pick up on and follow what they want. But what types of advice or direction do you give both in like spells and in your book to like, say someone said, I really want to find my partner. Mm -hmm. How would they maybe approach that? Okay. So I want to answer another question that maybe you didn't ask that I kind of heard in the space. And then I'll answer that question. The first first thing about like your intuition and you're saying people are unsure about it. The easiest way to do that is to get an internal binary yes, no system for yourself. Does that make sense? So like whether it's using a pendulum or whether it's like feeling in your body, I take my students when I taught them tarot through this exercise of identifying what a yes feels like in your body versus a no in your body. If you can figure out your binary system of yes and no, you can answer any sort of questions that you have for yourself. You just phrase them in yes, no questions. So I'm just throwing that out there. Sorry, not to interrupt that, but just like pause on that for a second. So what you're saying is like kind of everyone has a different way of feeling yes and no, and you have to figure out what that is yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what I do is like, um, I'll take people through an exercise where you are quiet and you can actually do this for yourself. If you make a recording, like on your iPhone or something and then play it back. But basically you get somebody in a relaxed state and then you say literally out loud the word. Yes. So you would record yourself saying Yes. Yes. And then you would record yourself saying, where do you feel that in your body when I say yes? And you'll feel a sensation. And then you go through the exercise again and you say, no, no. Like, where do you feel no in your body? Uh, And then um, I usually ask some obvious questions like, I, it, you know, today, what day is it? I don't even know. <laughs> but say if I say I am, it is Friday and that would be a no in your body. You would mm. feel the no or like, you know, it is the evening time or whatever. And then the yes. And then they start to identify the yeses and the no's. And if you can hone that, a lot of intuition for people, and it didn't even for me, comes first through your body. It's like you're this antenna, but it's not one size fits all. So for me, the first big intuitive sensation that I used to get would be on the left side, just like body chills. And like, that was my yes. So anytime I felt that I'd be like, okay, pay attention. What did I just say? What did I just do? Like that's, that's sort of nudging me in a yes, a yes direction. So is that helpful? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause you're kind of like a, your own little barometer, I guess. It's super helpful. And especially like when people are reading tarot, even a card can mean a lot of things. So you can ask yourself, like, is this related to me? And then you'd feel your yes or you'd feel your no. And then you can even refine what those tarot meanings are Mm. for you, especially when you're a beginner. Yeah, that's so interesting. I could see how that would be so helpful for somebody reading tarot too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. But yeah, sorry, I cut off your thought as you were going no, into no it. No, no problem. So the, the question was how, I think the original question was, how do you attract your partner? Wait, what was yeah, it? Like, what's like the first step or what would you, how do you even go about trying to attract oh whether it's a partner or a job or whatever it is? I guess let's focus on partner. Okay. So if we're talking about partners and this could be applicable to other areas of life, let's say. Um, I mean, one of the keys to just general manifestation is to use your body a lot. Your body is your instrument. So it's how can you feel the sensation in your body of having what you want before it gets there. It's that's like trick. The trick to manifestation is to feel like you have it through and through before the reality meets up with the sensation, because it's sort of like your energy. It's a vibrational frequency. And so that's why in our, in the rituals that we do in the book, whether it's for love or for money or for whatever, we have you like, when I say we, because I co-authored it with Brandon Knight, um, we have you call up in your body the opposite feeling of what you want. It's like the stuff that 
we feel more than what we want. The fear, the shame, the resistance, the whatever. And then through the process of the ritual, we transmute that energy into the what the feeling of what it is that you really want. So you kind of transmute the negativity into the positive vibration. And then that's the place that you sit for a significant period of time to work the energy of those rituals. So that's number one is to, and like to hold that vibration every day, the best you can Mm -hmm. until the reality meets the desire. So that's one just generic tool. And then we use that tool throughout the ritual practice. Uh, For me, and I don't know if I spoke to you about this last time to attract a committed relationship, which is a different energy than, than other kinds of relationships. Mm. uh, There's a ritual that I did when I uh, attracted Brandon, my husband of when we were together for nine or 10 years. So, I mean, that's definitely a committed relationship. It's a 40 day ritual that you give a little bit of energy every single day and you feel that feeling and then you let it go Mm -hmm. because you know that you've carved out that time to generate and put towards that activity. Because I think a lot of times what people do is they do the ritual or they have the positive thought and then they negate it all the rest of the day (laughs) because they're, they're giving split ideas. Like a lot of people will come to me on a tarot reading and their question isn't how do I attract my partner, which is a great question. It's will I, will I have this partner? And that's a completely different energy. How do I attract is like a certainty. It's just like, I know I'm going to get it. How do I get there? The will I, when the desire is that you want it, is actually putting out two conflicting Mm. energies. And that makes it a lot harder to manifest or create in your life. So when you do the ritual, uh, it's committing fully to the knowing that you will have what you desire and reinforcing that and not sort of second guessing it. And that the way that you behave is it's like, how would you be acting? What choices would you be making if you knew for certain that what you've asked for and where you've put your energy is coming? It's just in a matter of time. You'd be making different decisions if you knew for sure that this person was coming as opposed to like, well, maybe if it's meant for me, it's like, no, if it's your desire, it's meant for you, have that command in how you carry yourself as best you can. And then when you have those times when you have worry or doubt, it's not to gloss over it, but it's to reach for the next highest rung to get yourself out of it step-by-step. Is that, am I, I don't know, I feel like I'm saying a lot, a thousand things. No, this is like really hitting home. (laughs) I feel like you know those people who just like seem to always attract like negative stuff. Like it's, oh, every time you talk, it's like a downer story, like something that bad happened. Mm -hmm. And then you have these other people you look at and they're like, oh my goodness, their life just seems like everything always works out. They have everything. And it totally, I think just comes back to exactly what you're saying. Like those people that have everything or like always seem to be like getting what they want or living in that really like confident space where they are practicing exactly what you're saying versus the ones that kind of live in that negative vibration and just don't think they're worth it or always think of like not of what I have, but what they want, I guess. Yeah. Sure. And you said the magic words, which are, it's a belief system that is everything is always working out for me. You can't see it, but I have it on this board right here. I wrote it for my boyfriend because this is his office. It says everything is always working (laughs) out for you. My sister cross stitched like a little thing that's on my wall that says that. That is like the best mantra that I've discovered. And I discovered it a long time ago. And at first it felt like I was faking it. Like I just have to keep telling myself that. Right. Wouldn't you know that sooner or later, everything really is working out for you. And you start to actually perceive even the challenges as more of opportunities. And that's not to say I don't have bad days, weeks, or months. Like you can't like live in that space all the time. I haven't been able to, but if that's like the baseline current of your life, it's easy to rebound. Like when you're not in that space and when you're not in that space, you're just sort of like, that's a weird blessing too. Cause it's like, I'm really experiencing what I don't want right now. And this is really clarifying moment for me. Yeah. feels terrible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You see what you see, what you can do. I mean, the only thing about what you're saying about the negative people that I haven't been able to quite reconcile, and this is like a whole other topic. Maybe you've covered it, but I don't have the answer. You can refer me to an episode (laughs) is, you know, there are people that are really born into very upsetting circumstances or like war zones or whatever. And I don't know how you can like law of attraction 
way your way out of those things. So I don't want to be like blase to say like, have a positive mental attitude and your whole life works out. I have a baseline of comfort and that's a lot easier to like not have a nervous system that's in distress based on survival. So I haven't been able to figure out that piece of it yet. Like I, I haven't. Um, but for the general people that are more than likely li- your audience listening, I think what we're talking about is applicable. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree. And even like more than just the having a positive attitude or positive outlook, what you said that was like really resonating for me was just putting yourself in the position to like feel the way it will feel when you have those things that you want and to like make decisions mm-hmm. as if you already have them. That was like the biggest shift for me when it comes to manifesting because Mm -hmm. I would have a hard time manifesting things because I didn't even know what it would be like once I would have that thing. So I would just think of this like arbitrary thing that I wanted, but there was like no, Mm -hmm. I would really struggle with the path of how I was actually going to get that. And so I would get so caught up on that thing. But then once I started trying to manifest like a feeling versus an actual thing, like I would think Mm. about the thing that I wanted and then I would have to think about why I wanted that thing, how it was going to feel once I got that thing. And then how can I like replicate those feelings so they become recognizable and normal to me. So like if I was trying to manifest a partner or manifest love, like where do I already feel love in my life? And like, how can I like really like feel that love so that it feels like something that's like, of course, I can find this in somebody because I already feel it here. That's been like a huge, huge thing for me to help manifest. Now I'm like thinking of all the other ways I can apply it to other things that I want to call it. It's, It's literally, I think, the only way to manifest because your reality right now is not really created from the momentum of right now. It's created from the momentum back there, right? So it's, it's like, if you're in a low space, that's just creating your future moment. Mm -hmm. And so you have to feel what it's like to, to have the feeling without the thing in order to have it. And what's also really interesting, I don't know if you've had this experience, but like that anticipation of, okay, so there's like the wanting of the thing and you're feeling it as if it's there. Then there's like the manifestation that's in the future. The real sweet spot is in the middle when you can feel it coalescing, but it's not quite firmed up. Mm. And like that's like actually, in my experience, way more exciting than the manifestation. Because by the time we get the thing that we think we want, somehow the way our systems are, we want the next thing already. The real sweet spot. Yeah. It's like yeah. we already felt it coming or we like felt it yeah. there and then we have it and we're like already on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like the sweet spot is the like watching it come together and like not knowing. Because what you were saying is like you could get caught up in not knowing how to get there. Mm. That's really the fun. And it's kind of like none of your business how yeah. like, you get there. <laughs> it's just like, I know I'm getting there. And then that's where like the co-creation I feel like happens with like the synchronicities and the right people and the message to say, get on match.com or whatever yeah. that is for you. Yeah. It's like, I couldn't have designed that path to love. Yeah. Like I would have like tarot readings or like just any type of like reading or whatever it was. And I'd be like, but how am I going to meet them? Like, when am I going to meet them? Where am I going to meet them? And I was like, so caught up on those things instead of like actually mm-hmm. embodying what it would be like meeting totally. a person and then like being in that. So it's definitely a huge shift. Yeah. You guys start tell yourself like, that's none of my business. That's like someone yeah. else's job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, why does that matter? It doesn't matter. You're not manifesting how you'll meet them. You're just manifesting the fact that they'll come into your life. <laughs> totally. And like, Yes, it's like thinking, being in the body of believing you're worth it, but I, it also is acting on it. And I know you've spoken a little bit about physical things you could do, but I was even talking about this in like regular day life with my boss today because we unfortunately have like layoffs coming at work. Oh, and we've no. been talking about how so many people, they know it's coming in two months and they're just like checked out. So they're not doing mm, the work. Right. But, The people that are just like staying motivated, doing all the things that they would normally do, like working for the future because they're working on projects and things that are coming. That's really the way that we should all be kind of embodying right now, because also say you did get laid off. You already get kind of living in the vibration of like, I'm really productive. I'm doing work Mm. I'm proud of. So then if you have to move on to something else, you're already kind of living in that productive, I deserve it, I'm worth it, I'm doing the work space. Yeah, you might even be looking at it as like, this is a great opportunity because the next thing is going to be even better than this thing, no matter how great it is to work for your company. You know, it's, yeah, Yeah. it's always, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard this. It's always like this or something better, right? Like that's the goal, this or something better. And I want to just be clear, it's not like bypassing it. 
It's like, you know, you can get in those bunks and it's just like reaching, I always call it like the next highest rung. Like what's just like a little bit higher? Because it's very hard to go from like despair to like elation, right? So it's like, what's just like a little step higher and then build on that and build on that. And the same is true with ritual magic. That's why it sometimes takes people a couple of rituals to like have big results because they've got to build, if they have no, if they have like little belief that this would work. They need to have sort of some positive experiences. And that's like the next highest rung. Like if you don't believe that you can do a ritual and get $100,000, cool. Do a ritual and try to get $1,000. And then once you do, then you can do the next time for 10. And it's, it's, yeah. it's it all has to work within your belief system. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know if it was like, if it's in the seeker or whatever it is, but there's little things that have stuck with me that are like little changes that we can make that I think are similar to what you were saying about decisions that you would make differently if you had the thing that you want. So like mm-hmm. one would be like, like if you're just like spread out in the middle of your bed, like move and sleep on one side. So you're making room for your partner kind of thing. Do you have any other like examples of that, of like little things sticking with the calling in like love example of little things you might be doing? For sure. I have a really good friend of mine and I do readings for her every once in a while. And she was talking about like that this year she really wanted to call in love. She's like she re- she's like okay, I'm ready for it. And this is a very highly successful public figure type of person. And what she was saying is, you know, okay, I want this love relationship and she's on a podcast. So I hear her talk about her life a lot. And I said, you know, <laughs> one thing to say is you don't talk you talk about how great your life is and you kind of have this caveat. So it's like, well, my life is so great. So I don't really need a partner, but I mean, it'd be nice if I did. But And I said, you have to change how it is that you talk about this to say like, my life is really great. And I want to add in, I want to invite somebody in. And then also I noticed, this is like practical magic stuff that actually works. (laughs) I also noticed, you know, it's like a dating and relationship podcast. And sometimes the way that they speak about men, Uh. it's like, isn't the best. It's like, there's a book. It's like, how do you date men when you hate men? <laughs> I haven't yeah. read the book. But someone was like reading it at the spa and I've sent it to her. So it's also kind of like, I think that's a conundrum. I think a lot of women low key are upset with men and maybe not any men in particular. Maybe it's the fact that we've been like subjugated to this patriarchy our whole entire life. And we all secretly just men yeah. or whatever, but you've got to get right. You got to get right with how you talk about men, how you relate to men, how you generalize men, just like we don't want them talking crap about us and generalizing women or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just like watch how you speak about men and when, and, and, or if that's who you want to date, but like, or like the, like the, whoever it is that the kind of the things that you say. And like, even if you're like, you've got a great life, it's like, don't downplay your desire. I That's what I heard when she was talking about it. She was downplaying her desire because there was a secret fear that she might not get it. And she's been successful yeah. in her areas. So mm-hmm. there was that. Then I did also tell her king size bed. She was buying a new bed. <laughs> and like, make space. Like, make yeah. space. And that's what I did. When I, as soon as I got divorced, yeah. I bought another king size bed. And I, I was just, and it's just me. And I was like, I've got to make space for this person because I know yeah. eventually this is what I, what, what I want. Um, So those are, I mean, it's not magical. It's just like, more practical because you you tell your, you tell on yourself when you speak. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why like affirmations work and people find those so helpful because you're constantly, you're telling yourself something that you are training yourself to believe. And if you're doing the opposite, like I'm fine, I don't need a partner. You end up believing that too. And then that's kind of the the story that you're telling and story that you're starting to believe. And if like a mantra works that way, then like, why wouldn't the yeah. way you like physically show up, like only having stuff for you or only like, I totally see how all of that plays into just opening up the space and opening up your mind and what you're actually willing to believe is possible for yourself. But then everyone's like, oh, you'll meet someone when you're okay being by yourself. So it's like, you want to also emit that energy that like, you're going to be okay by yourself. But do you? I don't know. Do, I don't know. I don't know either. What well, you're like, saying makes more I, sense. <laughs> I just think it's okay to claim, like claim what you want and be okay. Like, I feel like we think we've been trained a little bit, like in this feminist era, this might be a super unpopular opinion. So maybe you edit this out, <laughs> but like we, I was trained that like, you don't need a man, <laughs> right. make sure you can take care of yourself, make sure you can pay for yourself. I was raised by a single mom, all of those messaging. And like, but my desire is to be in partnership and I do better in partnership. And it's even all over my astrological chart. If anyone reads my chart, they're like, yeah, girl, you should be in partnership. Like that's where really where you shine. <laughs> so like, 
just because culturally we've been like supersizing, like, you know, independence doesn't mean that for many of us, it's our hearts longing to be mothers, to be in relationship or whatever. So I would say it's like, be happy with where you are because that's what's creating your future and claim fully your desire. And Tell your friends and have your friends audit you when you say, when you talk smack about whatever, like be each other's accountability partner. You know what I mean? And like, you're good, good on your own and happy and great. But can can we, we're like uh, nuanced people. You can be very happy with your life and still have a longing for more. We do it all the time with everything. Yeah. I think you could spin it to say like, I want to be the best version of me and like financially successful and like at a great place in my career and like build yourself up and want all those things for you, but because I want to be a better friend or I want to be a better partner, like you can still want all of those independent qualities for yourself, but it could be less of like, so I'm okay being alone and more of like, so I'm better for who I'm around. Right. Like I'm so happy with my life that like I need to share it with someone else. Like someone else needs to be that's part of this exactly too. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. It's like, I can't wait to share yeah. this with somebody. This is an awesome life. And you know, if you're from that position, you're going to match with somebody who's got an equally amazing life, right? And so then it's just like grows exponentially. But I I do think that we kind of like, I don't know the word is couch, but we downplay our desires because we're afraid we won't get it. And it's, it feels vulnerable to say that you want something and feel like maybe it's not, it's, it's one area that feels out of our control. And I was explaining this to my, my boyfriend, like he's going through this opportunity, this I'm pro- I don't know. We haven't discussed whether I can talk about it this much publicly, but he probably <laughs> can keep it vague. <laughs> he's trying to like uh, get a new job, and it's a very weird situation because he has to be waiting for someone to choose him, and that's a different dynamic. You know, as women that have dated, we're kind of always in the position of having to be chosen, right? Yeah. And he was talking about, he's like, it's, I'm just checking my email, every buzz and will I bring? And I'm like, you're literally describing what it's like to be a single woman. (laughs) And it was so, yes. And it was so foreign to him. It was so foreign because usually like, He's the one that makes the decisions. Mm-hmm. It's in control. I don't know where this is going, though. By the way, this story. No, but just oh. like not being afraid to like say what you oh, want, yeah. like and being say okay saying it. And so he's talking too. It's like, well, you know, if da 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 da, and it's the same advice for him. Like with this job pursuit, it's like claim what you want. If this is not the right match or opportunity, just like dating, if they're not picking you, it's not what's best for you anyway. Just like if a guy doesn't ask you out again or a person, mm-hmm. it's like, well, it must not be what's best for me. But don't play yourself down or dampen your expectations or enthusiasm because you're afraid to get told no. Yeah. I love that this came up because we've talked about this on here before. We're like, yeah. women like sometimes just get like, I don't know what it is, like embarrassed or feel don't want to be vulnerable to say like, I want to get married someday or like, I want a relationship. Mm-hmm. And those are like all normal things to want. So like, why are we settling for less and just like allowing, putting all the power into someone else's hands? I I would agree. And then also, I think a lot of the times we stick around with love in particular, because we're afraid of the heartbreak or, and that really is just a lack of trust in yourself that you've got you, like you're strong enough to and resilient enough to recover from the heartbreak or from it not working out. So that's also what I have to remind myself sometimes because I do tend to have like a little bit of an anxious attachment kind of situation going for myself. And I've got to just check back in and say like, oh, wait, I got me no matter what happens, you know, even when I'm being fatalistic in my mind, even if the worst case scenario does happen, it's like reinforcing to myself that I've got the tools to to catch myself, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly why I stayed in a toxic, bad for me relationship for 10 years because the I didn't have that confidence in myself at the time. So mm-hmm. it's like totally just building yourself up in that way that you can trust yourself and know that you can get through it. For sure. <laughs> you also referenced the 40 day ritual. So can you tell us mm-hmm. just like a little bit more? I know we talked about it last time you came on, but just about how you come up with these rituals and how you even started mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. So for me, it's a lot of it is intuitive. When I do my own ritual work, like I usually sit down and I have an idea of where I want to go. But then when I get into this meditative state, I allow myself to be guided. So many of the rituals in the book, like I would say, if I don't know the percentage, but like Brandon, this is why this book is so good. Brandon is a practitioner of ritual magic where he's been more of a student. He's had teachers, he's had shamans, he's had coaches, like people teach him those skills because he was more of a book learner. So he had an 
he has like the tried and true recipe for certain rituals. Mm. And he taught me what he knows. And then I, as just like the person that I am, like to give things my own flair and through my own intuition. And I try not to read other books. And I try, I really don't get a lot of outside information because I'm trying to like hear what my what my inner has to say. So that 40 day Mm. ritual I created uh, about 12 years ago, if not more through my intuition, knowing the benefits of candle magic and certain symbology and basically also like the power of prayer. Um, You do, do do you want me to tell you what that ritual is specifically or more generally how the rituals come to be? More about like how they come to be. If people want to see it specifically, it's in the book, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. So it's a combination of like my experience and like learning through him, some of the keys to ritual, because it's ritual is sort of like a combination lock. Like you need to have certain elements present in order for it to be effective. So I take that framework and then for the rituals in the book that were my design, um, I put my intuition on top of it and how that comes through me is usually in meditation or in a trance state. I can get into a trance state pretty easily. It's almost like I just get the instructions and I see how it goes. So like the most unique one, we actually created as a ritual kit now in our store. It's the healing the ancestral line. Um, so I love to do ancestral work, but a lot of people can't approach it because they have wrought relationship fraught relationships with their relatives. They've got, you know, their People in our lineage have done horrific things, genocide, you know, war, whatever. And sometimes people are hesitant to connect with their heritage because of those abuse, whatever, like all of that. So that ritual, for instance, I just saw it. I saw these, in this, I've never seen this done before, but like you melt two candles together, one black and one white. One represents the dark side, one's the light of your lineage. And there's like honey for the positive and salt for the tears and I just saw it all come together and then I did it and it worked and I had some other people do it. And then we put it in the book and we have a separate kit. So it's, I have like the baseline of the tools and I have enough experience to be able to kind of customize it, if that makes sense to these different wow. areas. It's real fun. Yeah. When you say it worked, can you talk about like some in your experience of any like success yeah. stories you have from you or clients of doing some of these rituals and like some of the cool or notable totally. things they have attracted? Yeah. Do you want me to talk about my clients or me personally or which? Whichever I you think. Ones. Yeah. Okay, tell me if I, if I shared this one already, you can stop me, but I believe in ancestral work. And especially now that I'm like, we discussed like living, literally walking the streets every day of my ancestors and every one of my ancestors have li- lived within so my mom's side little italy my dad's side newark so like we're all like everybody's all up in here so i have to have a very heavy the ancestral um altar practice so the practice is in the book if you want to try it and it's like depositing energy did i tell you this one about my grandpa meatball the last time i don't think so i don't think so okay this is gonna blow your mind so except <laughs> my mind so you know i Every day, you know, I give energy to this ancestor altar. My grandpa, I call him Grandpa Meatball because he is my Italian grandpa and he made these meatballs when I was a kid. And I started calling him that. And people thought it was cute and it stuck. <laughs> so he's a primary guide. Like I can hear him. He's around. He's probably listening right now. Um, and there was an opportunity that we had a couple years ago to be on Good Morning America to feature one of our products. The only catch was in order to feature us, we had to have enough inventory to fulfill the orders, which was going to be a lot of money up front. And all my budget was tied into, because it was holiday season, all of our holiday inventory. So it was, I needed $75,000 to buy this stuff. And I tried all the conventional ways. Like banks were like, what? You know, like no one was giving me this money. Yeah. I try, I mean, I'd asked for a friend, like I've asked everybody and it was coming down to the wire where I had to like get the money or I couldn't do it. And I looked at my phone and I noticed it was my grandpa Meatball's birthday and it sparked an idea. So I went to the altar and I said, grandpa, oh no, sorry. It wasn't his birthday. The appearance on the, on Good Morning America was going to be on his birthday. And I said, if I'm supposed to be Mm. on Good Morning America on your birthday, I literally by the end of the day need $75,000. And then I left it. I left the altar. I went to go get a massage at my friend's massage place. And she was like, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, nothing. Just trying to get $75,000 to fall out of the sky. (laughs) 
She goes into the room with her client. I go into the room with her, like someone that works for her. I come out of my massage and my friend comes up to me and says, the client that I was massaging overheard you. She asked me about what you needed and she wants to give you the $75,000. What? I have chills. Exactly. So she's like, can you stick around? And I was like, of course. Yeah. So... (laughs) I'll be here. I'm going nowhere. Right here. The woman comes out and she says to me, um, I'm actually a customer of yours. I from day one, I used to go because I had a location before the big one. I used to go shop from you there. I just got like this large sum of money and I decided that I wanted to use it to help women um, entrepreneurs like forward their mission. And I trust you. I know your products. I'm a, hu- a huge fan. Can I give you this? Can I loan you this money? It was a very short-term loan. I needed it to get the products and I would pay it back within like 30 days. I just need to, whatever. And I said, yeah, sure. Uh, I said, well, what do you, I said, you know, do you need an agreement or whatever? And she's like, yeah, we'll work it out. So that happened. So I got that $75,000. And then that night I came back home and I got an email from the basically like a an old, very wealthy family friend who said, you know what? I thought it over and I'm, I'm willing to loan you the money. So I had $150,000 available to me <laughs> by the end of that night after asking grandpa me for that money. Oh my God. And that's why you don't have to think about where right. your manifestation is right. coming exactly. from. Wow. And stuff like that has happened to me all of the time. And it's not, it's because of, I think it's the belief and it's the energy that I put in every day. And like with the ancestral altar, I feel like you're literally depositing energy and then you can withdraw it. Like you make that ask, you know, but you've got to make that ask. I've had clients, we have this quick cash ritual. I've had clients get 500, $1,000 like, Within hours after doing the quick class ritual, I have clients that have gotten dream jobs by doing either the road opener or we have this ritual to get a a job or promotion. I used our ritual to obtain space, uh, which is a really cool ritual because you build a model of the space that you want and you get dirt from the land. It's like super fun. Um, We were like when Brandon and I were married, we were trying to get this house and it was during like the peak of this housing you know, it was like super competitive and there were like six or eight bids. And I did that ritual. And like, we, wouldn't you know that like we got that house and I knew that house was meant for us because I could hear her. Like she was talking to me. I'm like, we've got this. We got to do this ritual. So man, I don't know how else to say it, but it happens and it works. Yeah. And that's why I, I do this work because I think it'd be silly to keep it to myself and I just feel like that's what we're meant to do. Like we're, we're meant to co-create and to work with energy and to figure out how it is we can achieve our desires. And even changing my relationship to the word desire has really helped me become more, more uh, adept at working in this 3D, this 3D space, you know? Yeah. And the best way to get in on these rituals is through the book to buy the book. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, you can definitely buy the book. Everything's in there. And then we also have individual ritual kits on our website. So there's a few that like the kits came first. And sometimes people like to buy the kits separately. You can also get the book on Kindle. There's an audio book. I mean, there's a lot of ways to engage with them. We give a lot of tips and tricks on like Instagram and some other little spells uh, there. So fun. And what else can you get when you come to your store? You do tarot readings out of the store. You sell crystals. What? I mean, we'll come visit soon, but what can people expect? Well, okay. So we've got a whole line of products. I've got like at least 80 products that I've developed over the years, essential oils, candles, magical candles. So if you're not like into sitting and doing a whole ritual, our candles and sprays move energy really quickly too. And they're a little less involved. Uh, Crystals, we've got tons of crystals, tarot decks, books. And then in Atlanta, in the store, we do the readings regularly. In New York, we do pop-up readings. So you, um, we haven't quite found our rhythm with that yet. So you can, uh, we always post on our Instagram stories when our readers are coming. But everything that we sell it comes from like my experience, my passion. It's all things that I use. and. That's why they're out there. Yeah. You know, it's just like stuff that I yeah. it's tried and true. And then you have the tarot reading course. Is that something that you'll offer again? Probably. It went so well. I had 40 students and I taught 40 people how to read tarot in about six weeks. And I had amazing feedback. 
So maybe I'll try that again next year if I can. Um, maybe it's like a once a year sort of thing. Uh, I've got this really cool method. I'm teaching people tarot very quickly. Um, and I'm hoping to make that into another book project. Uh, I have a, I just, I feel like that might be something, hopefully if I can make the time to write the proposal yeah. and then obviously and then the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be so cool. I found out about that because my mom told me about it because she wanted to do it. Actually, like last time we had you on the podcast, I went home after that and I saw your book sitting on my mom's dresser and I was like, I guess what? she likes that. Your episode. mom is cool. She's telling me, like, oh, I think cool. I'm going to sign up for the Modern Mystic like uh, tarot reading course, but then it was full. It must have been a really popular one. So she'll have to get in on the next one. Yeah, we definitely... Yeah, we definitely sold out. And I think 40 is about my max in order to like give people enough attention, yeah. you know, but it worked out great. It, it was, Tarot is just like, I came into this life with a real gift for that. And I seems like I can like transmit the information in a way that starts to click for people rather quickly. So um, it's the best tool I have found to build your intuition. It's like going to the gym and like working out your intuition instead of having to just like sit there and hope that the messages come. Yeah. It's a really engaging way to kind of nudge yourself. Uh, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you have your cards with you now? Yeah. Always. What? Yeah. I don't, Do you think you could pick one for each of us before yeah, we get for off? Sure. For sure. I also can give you, look at this. I can also give you a sneak peek of a new product, which is I'm Ooh. making these tarot pouches that are just so Cute. beautiful. Um, and they're the perfect size for a tarot deck. So this is the prototype. Wait, what a good idea. I feel Thank like that's you. something that needs to exist. Totally. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have them like the, they're only like super witchy looking and that's not my style. Like this looks like any sort of makeup pouch, but it yeah. fits the cards perfectly. It's my, coming out soon. So excited. I love, I love that. It. Oh my God. It'll keep an eye out. All right. So you each want one card, just like a general, like a general word of advice. I think like, yeah, like general, like a life card. Okay. Let's give, we'll go Mia first. What is general please, Mia's advice? Yeah. Give me like a <laughs> general last of my, my life. Ooh, girl. <laughs> Sorry. It's a tough one. Okay. We're going to talk about, this is a great lesson a on tower? how to read tarot. So we've got the tower, the tower card for you. So I don't just believe in the meanings of the ta- of the tarot cards. I believe that each card has a lesson, and that's like that's the the mission of the cards. Now, how old you are? Are you? Do you disclose that information? <laughs> or like what? Yeah, <laughs> like it was like your social I'm, security I'm, number. <laughs> I'll be my birthday is in two weeks. I'll be thirty two. Okay, cool. So you've gone through your Saturn return, then, yeah? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. So the tower card comes up in life when there are going to be like big and abrupt abrupt shifts and changes. And these are probably shifts and changes that you have been meaning to make, but for whatever reason have been resisting. And so sometimes the universe has to apply that pressure so that you can have like the big explosive growth that maybe we wouldn't take out on our own because of whatever, you know, security or safety or or whatever. So what I would say, the lesson of this card for you is to how can you embrace changes that are out of your control with a lot of grace? How can you confront the illusion of control? Because we learned that through COVID, like Mm. we all have no control over anything. And it's like, how do we look forward to these corrections or these directions in a way that doesn't feel scary or like we're, we don't have a say. It's like, what we were talking about, like seeing things as opportunities to grow and to change. Um, I will say that sometimes a tower card is our energies are challenging for people. So the more that you can surrender, relax, I'm just looking at the picture, surrender, relax, and, and know that every time there's like something that like that happens that might seem disruptive with the tower, it lands you in a much bigger place. It's like a propelling force. So I would say also like pay attention to nudges for change and start to look for things yeah. that you've been resisting um, moving forward with because it'll make it smoother if you could be a little bit proactive. Are you scared? You look scared. Oh my God. I just, <laughs> no, this is, I love the spin and the advice. This just like makes me feel like I am getting laid off in a, in a two no, months. No, it's not what it means, <laughs> but if you do, then that's great. Then you're, then I'm all set. I know there's a lot of change going on. So I think that's just a good message for embracing anything and setting yourself up for what's to come. For sure. And I am a little scared though. 
Yeah, <laughs> it is. I don't blame you because I even get scared when I see some certain cards, but it's an opportunity to make massive change for yourself that maybe you wouldn't have done on your own. Um, yeah. and, and if you just trust that, you know, there's a bigger picture in play and that there, it'll be one, every time you pull the tower card, it's one of those things where it's like your life before the, this experience and after, and then the after is like, thank God, you know, like it's just sort of those yeah. pivotal times. And I'm sure you can probably go back and identify other times where that's happened to you. Of course. Where you've had like a forced change and you're yeah. like, oh, wow, that was, was really- the changes. Right, right, for sure. So, and you've got a good friend here to support you through any of these, any of these <laughs> ch- changes. <laughs> now oh, that you man. see how that Get goes, ready. you still Get want ready, you still on the card, yeah. Carly? That was a good one. I feel like that was everything you needed to hear, Mia. All right, let's see what Carly has to say. Well, while Mia like wipes her tears away, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You got an amazing card. This is my favorite card. We've got the star. Okay, you guys could not be in more different positions. Now, okay, this is great. (laughs) Because the thing is, is like after the tower and some of those abrupt changes, you hit that star energy. And it's really cool that you have a friend. So I would be wondering if maybe Carly went through some abrupt changes and maybe she's just a few steps, not ahead of you, meaning like she's more evolved, but you know, things are cyclical in life. The star card is the card that says like you are in complete alignment and there are lots of signs and synchronicities that are, are directing you in the positive way. And the star usually has come after a lot of turbulence and trials and change. We've got, before the star card, we've got like the death card, the tower card, the hangman. Like there's a lot of stuff that has happened. And it's sort of that, that opening, like when you've been going through the forest in the dark and you hit that clearing and you're like, oh, okay, I can see where I'm going. Hmm. So this is sort of like that reward. I would say, trust yourself, follow the signs and synchronicities, know that you're that you're oriented towards your true north and stay as true to that as you can and say no to anything that might lead you astray. It's a really hopeful outlook. And it's, it's like, yeah, it's very, it's very different. It's because you may have, you recently gone through over the past few years, like more changes and upheaval. And now you're kind of ready to uh, have a smooth sailing for a minute. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. I feel like that all sounds very spot on, but like then the advice that you sort of turned it into, I feel like was even more relevant because when that happens to me and I start to see myself like going toward like that star energy and things are aligned, I feel like I have this automatic instinct to like revert back to sort of like old things that like aren't aligned with that. Mm -hmm. And so I need to have that more of a mindset of like staying like positive about like the direction that I'm headed in instead of like somehow like not ruining it, but like somehow throwing like turbulence into the mix because I'm used to that like turbulent energy. So I have to more like stay in this space. So I would also say now is a really good time. Like any of the skills or coping mechanisms that you would have wanted to use in the turbulence hone that now, because I think a lot of people make the mistakes of only trying to use their tools when they're under duress and they will not work unless you have a level of mastery over it. So since you're going to have a little bit of time of peace, don't lose your practice. Don't like think, oh, everything's cool. Mm. So I have to stop. I get to stop work and coast. This is a really good opportunity for you to like really strengthen and go deep with those coping mechanisms or those tools so that, you know, you'll hit your tower soon enough, you know, like you, you know, it's not going to be like this forever. And then you will be able to um, navigate those times more with ease. And I would say the same thing to you too, or regarding like this power energy that might be coming. If you're not feeling tower energy right this second, it's a great time to double down so that you will be able to move through this with grace. Mm. Cause too many people are trying to solve problems under duress and like, it doesn't work that way. That's why you've got to have the practice and build those skills before you're freaking out. Yeah. Like your nervous system is responding. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. This was so mm-hmm. fun. Thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. Oh, you're so welcome. You guys are so easy to talk to. <laughs> Thank you. We will link everything in our show notes so that everybody can find you and everything and look out for everything that's thank to come. You. But just thank you so much. This is such a good conversation. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me.